Welcome to another episode of the Marriage Mentor Podcast with Eric and Jolene Engel, where Eric and Jolene answer marriage questions for believers, looking at the root of the problem instead of the symptom, always while applying God's wisdom and word for a Christ-centered marriage. Hi, I'm Eric Engel with another episode of the Marriage Mentor. I'm here with my beautiful wife, Jolene. And uh, why don't you tell me what we got going on today? What are we doing now? We have a new series that we're starting. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about this one. It's the Foundations of a Biblical Marriage and Family. You love series, don't you? I do love series. Why? Um, I think that they're a lot more comprehensive, gives a a better um, picture. It's an overview. I like the the preventative teachings um, as opposed to there's problems in the marriage and how do I fix it, you know, because that's basically what our podcast has been, you know, for the the majority of them, except for this last series that we did, Proverbs for Couples. Okay. So what's this series about? What's it named? Uh, It's the Foundations of a Biblical Marriage and Family. Yes, we added family to that. that, That is good stuff. I don't know if we've ever done, I mean, we've talked about a lot of stuff, but I don't know if we've ever like focused in on the foundation. No. And uh, if the foundation isn't right, the marriage is going to have some serious issues. Just like a house, if the foundation is cracked or not poured correctly. You mean like our house? I, I do think our house is set wrong. You you, you think it's kind of sloped because everything goes to uh, one direction. Yes. My floor mats in the kitchen slope down. The doors slope down. I mean, we are on a hill, so there is that possibility. So Okay. Anyways, I still love it. I love living here. But So let's talk about the foundation of a biblical marriage then. Yeah, so you have to go back to... Hey, by the way, by the way, it is a biblical marriage, and people have said, well, you speak about traditional marriage. Oh, I get disgusted right? when I hear that. I'm like, no, let's get the facts straight, Jack. It's called a biblical marriage, not traditional, because there's no... There's no authority in a traditional marriage. That's just a, a series of of things that we do on a regular basis that make traditions. That makes no right. difference. Does I, it? I have Christmas here in my home, and that's a that's a tradition. You know, when you talk about traditional marriage, the first thing that kind of pops into my mind is like the the June Cleaver type of mentality. That fine it was a fine show but thought june was cool you know that was a fine show but here's here's my point is there's an authority in which i live by and it's not man's tradition it's god's word so that's why i'm so quick to remind whoever i'm speaking to when they say oh well you stand for traditional marriage or you talk about traditional marriage. It's like, no, back it up. We we stand for a biblical marriage. That is our authority. Okay? So. I just thought I'd get you a little riled up before yeah, we get started yeah, we here. Yeah, know, we know what you do. You poke the, par- the bear over here. So. <laughs> All right, let's go, Tiger. All right, so God's plan for marriage. And I think that this will help the listener really kind of establish the foundation that they have um, for their marriage and and know why am I building this? Okay, I'm a why gal. I want to know why. Give me the give me a good reason why I should follow this. So if I know my why, it helps me to keep walking in the right direction. If that why is too weak, yeah, I'm, I'm not one to follow it. It's not a good enough reason for me to say I'm all in. 
Okay. So let's discuss some of the whys. So foundation number one, what's... Uh, well, or how and, you- and, and let, me, let me back up a little bit because it's not necessarily number one. It is to establish who is the creator of marriage. Okay. It's not Oprah. It's not Dr. Phil. It's not Dr. Laura. Okay. They might have good intentions to speak into the world today. Okay, but the creator and designer of marriage is God. No one else. It's God. So if we could get that concept, if we could wrap our brain around it and then say, okay, I'm going to embrace that. Because I can always say, yeah, I believe that. But here's the cold, hard truth. Do I embrace it? Do I say, yes, I'm going to follow that? Because well, a lot of people could, could believe, oh, yeah, God's the creator of marriage. But that doesn't mean that they listen to God and his instructions on marriage. Well, the Bible says we'll know them by their fruits. So it really comes down to not just saying it, but actually doing it and living it. Right. So you, you, you have to ask yourself, do I agree that God is the creator of marriage? I do. I do. Okay. Right. But it took this woman a long time to get to that agreement because <laughs> I thought God was wrong. <laughs> what do you mean a long time? How long? Well, I wrestled with him for for a good amount of time because I'm reading those those verses for wives that I'm like, I don't like them. So God, you must be wrong. That's That was my viewpoint. So it took me, it took me some wrestling with God for me to say, okay, yeah, you're right, God, and I'm not. Okay, which is just stupidity on my part. That's just like, why would I argue with A, my creator, and B, the creator of marriage? Right. Okay. So. And as I've said so many times before, until you're able to speak something physical into existence, then you better come to the conclusion that God's a little brighter and a little right. more powerful right. than you are. You know, and, in, and in our arrogance, we want to tell God that he's wrong and his word is wrong. Okay, so, you know, when I take that standpoint, which I've taken it many times in my life, because, you know, God clearly doesn't understand how I feel, which I'm saying that in sarcasm. Um, If I could get to that point where I trust God and his word, which is an ongoing daily thing, because I do have my moments like Thomas, being doubting like Thomas. But the closer I get to Jesus, the safer I feel emotionally that I'm like, okay, he's got this. I could trust him in this situation. So anyways, back back to establishing. It's one thing for me to say, here's God's plan for marriage. But if you don't really want to believe God, that's that's between you and the Lord. Of okay? course. I, I can't change a heart. The Holy Spirit changes the heart. The Holy Spirit changed my heart. You well, know, I was convicted. Uh, look, no, no one's forcing anyone to listen to this podcast. No, because there's plenty of others out there. That's right. Okay. So anyways, God is the designer and creator of marriage. You, you, you've got to come to that point where, yes, I agree with that statement. Okay. Okay. So number one, marriage is created for companionship. Okay. This is in no particular order. You know, I don't. I didn't go into this list of this one comes first and all these reasons. But um, I have uh, Genesis 2.18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And helper, helper, when I read that, insulted me. Okay, I was insulted by that. <laughs> because I was used to being the leader, not you, the helper. You wanted to be the helpee and not the helper. 
Yeah, I, I, yeah. So it, it was a difficult verse for me when I first read that, and you know, now many years later, married, I'm like, thank God, I'm, I'm, I'm the helper, and I'm not in charge of everything, and it's not all on my shoulders. So I know when a wife is struggling um, in her role, it's because of how we've been conditioned by society, you know, and and then we have our own sin nature. Well, and the enemy works hard to do that. All the he, time. He worked hard back in the garden. He went straight for Eve. He didn't go to Adam. Why not? Why not? Well, we're, I, I can't, I don't know the mind of Satan. I don't want to know the mind of Satan. But he went after Eve. So anyways, um, marriage is created for companionship. And I found it interesting how, you know, God had Adam naming all the animals you know, and they were male and female. And here's aardvark, male number one, and aardvark, <laughs> female, you know, and there's dog, you know, male dog, female dog, and he's naming all this. And it was all good. It was all good until God saw that Adam was alone, and then it wasn't good. Because there was a need that Adam had that no dog or animal could fulfill. I right. mean, it's been said that dog... You know, it's it's interesting. I don't want to get off on tangent, but that is what I do. Uh, but people people look at their animals and they say, "Oh, this is my baby. This is," and I'm probably offending someone right now. But and maybe your wife. Yeah, maybe I my, do love my but dog. This is this is my baby. <laughs> this is my child. This is you know what? We were designed to have relationships with each other, right? Okay, right. And not try to replace that with animals. Just a little side note there. It's nothing wrong with having an animal as a pet. Okay, but. Uh, when we elevate animals above humans to the position of human, then it lessens the fact that we are made in God's image. Right. So. All right. So let's come back. Okay. Sorry. I, well, you know, it's <laughs> we hear the popular saying, uh, "Dog is man's best friend." Right. And uh, you're my best friend. Okay. Thank and you. I no appreciate dog. that. And I'm no dog. So although I might bark from time to time, <laughs> if you get me real mad, I might even have the tendency to bite. But Adam was still unfulfilled in that blissful state. There's perfection. He is in perfection. Right. He is in, there is no sin there. He has a relationship with God. It's all good. But Adam's not good because he didn't have his woman. Okay. And I find that so interesting from the female perspective to see the state of Adam's soul. It's like... There, there was a, a, an unrest there. God saw that there's that missing piece, okay? And thus he created Eve because Adam was lacking. So when we're talking to guys out there, uh, would you say that there are guys that don't, don't feel like they need their woman? Or they don't? Uh... Uh, that's interesting because my first thought is like, oh, no, that man needs her. My first thought immediately goes to that. Now, I could say that that man doesn't want to be around her because she's pushed him away. And I would agree with that. I would say uh, virtually every guy is feeling like, yeah, I, I want a good gal. Right. Okay. Uh, seldom does any guy say, no, I don't want a good gal. You know, I, well, I'd you, rather be this, do this on my you own. You brought up a great, um, you had a conversation recently with a gal who is a divorce 
She's a, a, an attorney, a divorce attorney. Yes. And you came home and you're like, hey, get a load of this. And you're like, who do you think um, initiates more of the divorces? It, do you think it's men or women? And I already knew in my mind, I'm like, oh, hands down, it's a woman. And, right. and you right. said, why do you, yeah, that's the right answer. It was right. She said mostly women initiate the divorce. And so you were surprised by that. And I said, oh, no, I'm not surprised by that. And she said that most men uh, want to stay married and they want to be married to to this gal. Right. And where the breakdown comes is, you know, they stop talking. They stop investing in each other. She pulls away or she pushes him away. And then the emotional affairs start to take place. And then the physical affairs right. start to it, take place. You know, and, and my thought was, well, divorce happens because the guy or the gal, they go off and have an affair. But from what she was saying, that happens after the the whole breakdown of he goes of off everything. and finds another woman one that treats him nice right right so you know i i look at the woman and just her her ability to influence him you know and yeah it's it's really interesting to stand back and and see the how society is today and how powerful we could be as women and how we could just really make some phenomenal um, relationships, how God has hardwired us to do that. Okay. That's how he hardwired Eve because, you know, he, he had to bring Eve into Adam's world because the man needed the woman. Right. Okay. Well, and how great. He brought her naked too. I mean, that's huge <laughs> right there. A typical man response. Oh. You know, but... Um, Here's another verse that uh, stood out to me. It's 1 Corinthians eleven nine, and all the the feminists out there will have their their hair standing on edge when they hear this. That gets me excited already. Well, sure. I mean, I used to be a former feminist, so I have no problem bringing this message. Let's go. And and if you are, it it it, it just sickens me when I see this on the web that they'll use the word Christian feminist, and it's just like. That doesn't exist. I'm a Christian who worships my gender. Right, right, right. That I'm like, you might want to take a step back on that because you can't, you can't prove that point in, in the Bible. If you can't prove that point in the Bible, don't put that title on yourself. Right. Okay, so anyways, here's the one that just blows that theory out of the water. It's 1 Corinthians 11, 9, because they, they say that there are no distinctive gender roles. Okay. Okay. And it is a, and man was not made for woman, but woman was made for man. Ouch. Every, every woman has a tendency to kind of like vomit in their mouth after hearing that verse. Okay. I had that tendency. I'm like, that's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. But today I see that verse and I'm like, that verse was, that verse is beautiful. You were made for me. Right. Let's go, baby. Right. So there, but there's a comfort. I have, I have a marriage that I could never have dreamed of. Okay. But I had to do some work with these verses because they are so um, in your face as a female. And, you know, I look back into my old feminist ways and really it was just their hurt. I was hurt. And a lot of women who take on that strong role of I'm a feminist, hear me roar. It's just like deep down inside they were hurt. Some man abused his position. Which which helps helps us look at the other side because okay so woman was made for man okay so what does she get out of it well the she gets the the protection and the provision and she gets the the ability to cultivate those beautiful relationships because that's 
that's her nature. Of course. Well, let's let's go deeper. And what does the Bible say? Maybe I'm jumping ahead. But what is the man's role to the wife? Oh uh, yeah, he's to cherish her. Right. He's he's to lay down his life as right. Christ laid down right. his life for the church. So, I mean, ultimately, between our relationship and Jesus, who gave more? Oh, hands down, Jesus gave more. Okay. And if we look at the relation the relationship between the husband and the wife, who's Who's supposed to give more? Oh, yes. By far the husband. The husband. The husband. Right. And so, you know, I always so she say... Does, she does, in essence, get the better end of the deal. I totally think I get the better end of the deal. I totally think that. When I look at the verses that you, you are commanded to live out and the verses that I'm commanded to live out, I think that I got the easier verses to live out. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think that. Um, but again, it took me a while to get to that point. You know, and there might be a woman listening saying, I... Well, I don't have the husband that you have, or I don't have, this is not my situation. And because I'm just a fantastic guy. <laughs> you are a fantastic guy for me because I, part of it is I wasn't going to marry a dirtbag. I understand, but based on how you treat me, but you are makes a sinner. Me that, makes me that guy. Right. Because right. I can turn, I can turn to the other side and I can be the biggest jerk in the world. No comment there. Okay. <laughs> I kept my mouth shut. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Okay, but but that is huge. Uh, every man is a sinner, just like every woman's a sinner. Right. And I, when I look at God's word, and if I'm not in agreement with it, that is my issue. It doesn't matter how you're responding and how you're reacting and how you're interacting. If I'm not in agreement with God's word, it is not going to be well for us. Because I'm not holding up to my side of my role. Now, we're not going to talk about roles. Today is not the day to talk about his role and her role. But we're going to get to that. We are. That's part of the series. That's good stuff, too. We're going to get to that. And when we could understand God's plan for marriage, when we can understand as a wife my role, when a husband could understand his role, it will then make for a beautiful picture of a a Christ-centered marriage, which is a beautiful marriage. Okay, we'll continue in a moment. But first, if you're self-employed, own a company, or work for a company that would like to grow their business, this message is for you. Hi, this is Eric, and you may know that I'm a sales and marketing consultant. I fix defective marketing and grow businesses and have developed a scientific marketing process called the Total Dominance Marketing Program that allows you to double your business in a year or less. This process uses brain science to connect with your prospect in a way that forces them to pay attention to your marketing and advertising message and come to this one simple conclusion. I would have to be insane to do business with anyone else but you, regardless of price. This is a physical CD program that we normally charge $197 for, but I am willing to give you a copy for free. All you need to do is pay $6 for shipping and I will send it to you right away. To check it out and get your free marketing program, just go to freecd.info. Not .com, but .info. That's freecd.info. Because someone is going to dominate. The only question is, will it be you? Unfortunately, we can only make this offer to residents in the United States. So let's get back to the conversation. Okay, terrific. So then what's the next one? Uh, marriage was created for us to procreate and build God's kingdom 
First Genesis one twenty eight says, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. So we are kingdom builders, you know, more specifically builders for God's for God's kingdom. So if if we're bringing in children, whether they're coming from the womb or... Where else would they come from? Well, they might not come from my womb, but I could certainly adopt, okay? There are couples out there that aren't able to conceive, but they could certainly um, bring an orphan into their home and raise up that godly offspring. Right, and the measure uh, the measure of a parent is not whether they actually gave birth right. either. Right, is actually the relationship between them and the child. I, not that we need to talk about that, but you know, it, it's it's funny how you know I talk to people and they're like, "Well, we can't have kids," and they're just so broken. It's just like, "Hey, God's provided a lot of kids out there that need a lot of parents, a lot of families." Well, I know I would have felt broken, and I and I had that possibility when I had the. Uh, precancer cells of my cervix and found that out what a month after we got married and they said oh well you, and you might not be able to have kids I mean that was for me those were not words I wanted to hear so after you went through pregnancy you probably felt a little bit different about well that. I mean I'm adopted so there there was no one that I could look at that says oh he looks like me I look like her and and vice versa so there was something in me that wanted my own biological children but there's also a side of me that says it's okay i don't have a problem bringing out bringing somebody else in my home and even though they're not by blood you know to help raise them up okay you know? so and, and you talked about we are kingdom builders right okay and that goes and we haven't talked a lot about raising kids and, and we'll get into that in uh, this series we will but that is one huge purpose for godly marriage right is, and that's the next one on the list go ahead what is it <laughs> to raise to raise up godly offspring sorry i was getting ahead of us well you don't have the list in front of you i don't so okay you're you're flying blind <laughs> that's that's, right. that's normally how i function <laughs> you handle the tech i bring up everything else so but uh, yes malachi 2 15 says didn't the lord make you one with your wife in body and spirit you are his and what does he want Godly children from your union. So guard your heart, remain loyal to the wife of your youth. So expand. So so what? I can't just give birth and I'm done or, we, you know, we have to raise them up? What is that? We do. We, we are still in the raising up business of godly offspring. We have to keep running our race even though we're exhausted. Well, and at this point, at least for you and I, we have a 16-year-old and, well, almost 16 and almost 18-year-old at this point. Yeah. And it seems like it doesn't get any easier. Well, I feel like it has. Well, and here's the deal. I told you when they were young, you were going to pour into them probably more than I would. Right. And when they got older, then I would pour into them more than you would. Right, just because they're boys. They're boys, they're right. They're boys. And so. I got I to train them to be men. Right. And so sometimes I got to knock their skulls together to get them done. My, my retirement is just around the corner. Right. <laughs> So, yes, I mean, one of the purposes or plans for, for uh, a biblical marriage or God's plan for marriage is to procre procreate um, and then also raise up godly offspring. And we are seeing the benefits of that. Now, you know, it's really interesting because uh, as they get older and they go out more and more and 
who knows what they're doing. I mean, we're hoping that they're doing right things. <laughs> that they're honorable. Okay, but they're now driving and, and stuff like that. So I find myself saying to them, hey, if you if you get killed today, if you get in a car wreck and, and I don't see you again, I want to see you in heaven. Are you going to heaven? Right. So I, you know, and that's, they're like, yeah, dad, we're saved. Okay. Oh yeah. They get tired of, of that message. I don't care. I don't care if they get tired of that message. I'm going to check that message as much as I can. Now getting saved or being saved does not the end of it. That no. is the beginning of the relationship with the Lord. But at least I want to know, Hey, I'm going to see you in heaven. And I tell them as well, Hey, if I don't come back, I'll see you soon. Right. Well, um, here in Southern California, we have the Harvest Crusades, um, which is done by Greg Laurie, and it's just over the hill from our house. And for the last several years, we would take our kids. Right. When they were little, we would take them because, you know, for me, I wanted them to see this winning of the souls. It's stuff, stuff that we taught them their whole life about coming to Jesus and and living for Jesus, but for them to see um, a full stadium, the whole, you know, outfield filled with lost souls coming to Christ. I mean, that that's powerful. It doesn't matter how long you've walked with Christ. Just to see that. Um, it, I watched it on the webcast last night because I'm like, I, I don't want to go sit in the sun. And, you know, I'm too old to do that now. Too claustrophobic with all those people. And the music's really loud. So, you know, I stay in the comfort in my home. But I said to the boys, I'm like, pick a day. Harvest is coming. Y'all need to go. And they're like, really? We're, we're saved, mommy. Do we really? And it's just like, no, I want you to see what God has done. Um, it'd be reminded of what God has done for you and for you to see those coming to Christ. It's a message that should never become old to us. The message of the cross. Right. And I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. You know, when I started going to Calvary Chapel, I got excited because there'd be an altar call like at least every other week. And it's just like, this is what it's about. It's bringing people to the Lord. That's what it's all well, about. Well, and you were raised in the church. So for you, you didn't necessarily always have an altar call. Okay? No. And for me, I wasn't raised up in it. So I'm like, okay, so what's the big deal for you to see this all the time? But that just ignited more of your passion. Well, and the church I was, uh, I was raised in was more of an inbred type of group where, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, there weren't a lot of people coming in that weren't a part of this group to begin with. The church didn't really grow or... or it wasn't or necessarily on fire. Not a Christ. lot of evangelistic outreach and that sort of thing. And, and obviously there's a balance, you know. Right. But um, it it stayed about this... You know, it's been about the same size and the, and the same people for the last 40 years. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, and I'm used to the altar calls. Right. You know, that that's what I've been exposed to for the last 20 plus years. And and to this day, you know, you and I, we, we always sit in the front row, that we're front row people. That's the best seat in the house. And right so there. anytime there's an altar call, there are all these souls in front of me, standing in front of me because I'm in the front row. And so there's like, you know, rows and rows of them standing in front of me. And I just and I'm always just thinking, I wonder I wonder where they came from. I wonder what their brokenness is because they all have a story. You know, my next thought is, oh, I want to sit down with them and find out all about this and lead them closer to Jesus, you know, because right. that's where my heart of discipleship comes from. But anyways, you know, God desires that godly offspring and we're not 
we're not done as parents in trying to infuse that into our kids because we're the example. We're the example of, you know, drawing them closer to Jesus. Well, and as the boys get old enough and get out of the house, I'm still never going to stop to say, hey, what's your relationship with the Lord? Where are you? Are you following him? Uh, You know, that sort of thing. Because then it turns into a relationship of brother brother to brother, even though they're my kids. Right. So be diligent in raising up that godly offspring. But in the same breath... Um, always, always remember that um, your marriage comes before the kids. Right. Okay? And we're going to talk about that in another podcast as well. Yes, we, we are going to talk about that. So um, another thing that marriage is designed for is to create a new family unit. Unit uh, Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So no longer am I, you know, the family unit of... You know my parents and 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 them. I've I've left that, and we've created our own family unit. You just opened a can of worms right there. <laughs> okay, try to keep the lid on it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'll try. But here's the deal. You know, if if you find a gal or a guy, and you're going to get married to him or her, then your parents your family they they are a distant and did you hear me distant (laughs) second to that relationship sure sure it's husband and wife first and then when you have children it's husband and wife and your children and then the outside family right and so how many times does does a spouse go back to their parents before they go to their own spouse Right. To discuss things, to to have input. To well, all- that's why we have this podcast. We have this podcast so they know what is God's plan for marriage. It's the leaving and cleaving. It's not, and I've said this time and time again on I don't know how many podcast episodes, but it's not just the physical leaving. When you and I got married, and so we're now taking the furniture out of my bedroom, okay, because oh. I'm no longer at my parents' house. It's the emotional as well, okay? It is... You know, me aligning myself up with you. We are one flesh. Well, when you say it's not the physical leaving, the Bible doesn't deal a whole lot with physical issues. The Bible is all about spiritual issues. Right. Okay. And so when when you put so much emphasis on physical issues rather than spiritual issues, and this is a spiritual but issue. A, but to a leaving. reader might, or a listener might not know that it's the emotional leaving as well. You know, it's not running back to mom and dad to fix their problems. It's not running back to mom and dad to um, because that's their way of life. That's what they're they're used to. That's just like you, you got to run back to your spouse and work that out with your spouse. Now, can you turn to your your parents and ask for some guidance and counsel? Yes, you can. But always keep in mind that they're secondary. Well, OK, so here's just a simple example for let's just say for a husband. OK. His wife feels one way, his mother feels another. Okay, now, if his wife is not in sin, right? Okay, there should be absolutely no question in a snap, he's on his wife's side. He's there with her. Right. Okay. His loyalty no, goes to his wife. No question. Well, he's okay? one flesh with his wife. Right. Not like, oh, well, you know, my she's, mom's not going to be happy. Yeah, she's my mother and this, that. Suck it up. Okay. <laughs> be a man. And and align yourself with the gal who has left her home 
and become one with you. Okay, you aren't one with your mother. I mean, that's how else can I say it? I I get it, but they run back to their parents because they're looking for that that alliance. That uh, I, I guess it would be. I I want my parents to stand for my viewpoint. Well, you know, fantastic. You having sex with your mother? <laughs> right. You better not be. Okay. <laughs> right. So, Right, they're they're going to do huge damage in in the in the marital relationship if they're placing um, dad's dad's viewpoint above the husband's viewpoint. Okay. You know, because we see that too. You know, they're going to run to dad because you know dad's had years years of maybe following Jesus, years of being married, and so well, dad, my husband's not doing this. You need to tell him what he needs to do. And it's just like that's a surefire way to just put a huge gap between you and your husband, as if you have your dad go in and fight your battles for you between you and your guy. Absolutely. And how are you guys going to grow together? I mean, you know, most people get married when they're younger. And I would say younger, you know, I'm whatever that definition is. And so they have to learn how to grow together. They have to learn how to lead and, and follow and, and love each other. They have to learn that. Okay. And, and so for a spouse to say, well, pff, you're a screw up compared to my, my dad. Or you're a screw up compared to my mom. It's just a huge... Yeah, my huge... mom makes better pot roast than you. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, it, to the family unit, you're creating a new family unit. You have to um, make sure that your loyalty goes to your spouse first before it goes to um, your your family. Okay? Okay. And next one, God's plan for marriage, it's that... It's to reflect a, a relationship with him until we get to heaven. It's a relationship it's to respect to reflect the the earthly picture of Christ in the church. So, what are your thoughts on that? I have some great thoughts. I have a verse if I can pull it up here. Uh, that is, yeah, uh, Ephesians five twenty. Well, actually, Ephesians five. Let me put on my glasses so I can even see Ephesians five thirty one. Well, we just did this. Uh, we did. We talked about the man. But here, no, it's 32. The mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. So it says, for the for this reason, a man shall leave uh, his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Okay, we just talked about that. But the mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. The purpose of marriage is to reflect the relationship that we have with Jesus until we actually get to heaven and have that relationship. That's why we don't need to be married in heaven. Okay. Well, we, and, and there's that the other side too, that our marriage should be a picture, should be a portrait of Christ and the church. Right. And that relationship there. Now, you know, in, in my fleshly state, I'm sad that I'm not going to be married to you in heaven. And I ask, I ask you that if the boys and I can come and, and visit you in your mansion, because I'm sure it will be better than ours. I don't believe okay. that, but anyways. Okay, but we're going to come and visit, but we won't need each other because we'll have Jesus. That's a hard thing for me to understand right now as, as I have my relationship with you, but we won't. Right. And, and that is the purpose of marriage here on earth. Is to fulfill that relationship. Well, and our marriages, uh, biblical marriages, should be so enticing that those that are, who are not saved, they they should be saying to us, "How do I get some of that? Right? What are you doing in your marriage that you guys have a marriage like that? Oh, well, let me let me take you to the Book of Truth. Okay, the the marriage 
manual, okay, which is the Bible. So when you have people today who are raised up in Christian homes and they don't want to get married, it's because they saw a skewed view of marriage. Their parents did not do, I don't care if they call themselves Christians, they did not do marriage according to God's word. You can call yourself a hamburger. That doesn't make you a hamburger either. Right. So it, our picture of marriage, and it's interesting, when I was talking to you about this, this concept earlier, I remember being single, wrestling with God with these verses, the, the verses for, for the women, and I had this longing in my heart for that beautiful picture of marriage, although I had never seen it. I had never seen a great marriage where I said, I want to have a marriage like that. But deep in my soul, God put that there because it's it's him and it's him, him as um, the bridegroom and the bride being the church. So I just saw it with how he relates to the church, the love there, the love that he gives the church and, and the, the love the church gives back to him. Well, and here's something really interesting. I mean, you came out of a family where there's really no evidence of any love at all between husband and wife. Oh, yeah. Or between parent and child. Right. Right? Okay. And and so, and you said you've never seen this, and yet you've seen it now, haven't you? I've seen it now, okay? and it, should, it blows my mind. But here's the point I want to make, okay, which is hope for anyone that says, well, my history, my baggage, I came out of this, I came out of that, okay, all you did was follow the Bible. Right. And you poured into a guy the way the Bible teaches you to do that. And you've created a good guy. Well, because I was a crummy guy it, before. It, it's but. interesting because when you think about all that, it's very simple. The concept of how. The concept of how is extremely simple. Okay. But what's not simple is our will. Okay. What's not simple is bringing our emotions under the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, and surrendering. Those things are not easy. Okay, it's way easier for me to pour into you and to in, encourage and inspire you than it is for me to take my mind, my emotions, my perspective, and submit that to Christ. Because we all want to be in control, don't we? Sure, sure. And so after I've seen, I'm like, Oh, well, so if I just treat you like this and you're going to respond this way, wow, that's pretty powerful stuff. I think I'll keep doing that. You know, keep keep pressing that button. You know? I like it too. <laughs> you know, so if we could understand, okay, so woman was created for man. Tough verse. Initially, I don't like that verse, but I'm now two decades in of embracing that verse. And it's just like, wow, there's so much power in that verse. Not power for me to manipulate, but power to have the type of marriage God intended. Okay, so uh, real quick, you, <laughs> you mentioned the word manipulate. Manipulate is just to move something in a different direction, okay? Manipulation can be good or it can be bad. Yeah, but and it's I, obviously I, viewed as a self-centered... I, I understand. I know you don't like the term, but uh, if we manipulate... Uh, pieces on a on a chessboard or, or whatever we're just moving pieces into we place are, but the word has a connotation that it's self-centered so that's why i'm like no i don't like that word remove that word all right i like the word influence i like the word inspire and encourage and cultivate because those words seem more like life-giving 
and they could be more God glorifying than manipulate. Manipulate, I maybe the, because I had such manipulation in my family. Manipulation life. can go either way, but those other words are manipulation with a positive. Yes. View. Yes. I mean, I, I lived in, in a home where there was emotional manipulation. It's just like, so to me, that's a red flag word. That I got it's it. just, it's. I got it. Anyways. Semantics. Semantics. So to the listener who's married to an unbeliever, here's what God's plan, what God's will is. It is um, you doing what you can through the power of the Holy Spirit to win him or her over through your godly character and behavior. That's First Peter 3, 1 through 7. Um, if you're single listening to this and you have a desire to be married, then keep pursuing Jesus. Keep pursuing his word. And then when you're out dating, find out if that person is committed to following what the Bible has to say. Okay. So is that your last verse? I got one more. Yeah, I think I covered it all. Raising okay. godly kids, okay. all family right. unit, building God's kingdom. Because we went way over here. Oh. Hopefully everyone's still with us. But the last verse I have is Ephesians 2.10, which says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Look, there's the ultimate verse for what your marriage is supposed to be about. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. These are good works for Jesus. So your marriage... So it's not all about me? <laughs> not today and not tomorrow. Yeah, because so, oftentimes we marry because of how he made us feel or how she made us feel, which are fine, but you, you need to grow in some maturity. Right. You know? And if you can come together and have your, have your good works for Jesus... That's a great common goal for your marriage. So having a marriage mission statement. Yes. That might be a good idea, huh? We have to do that. All right. Well, that's all I got. That is excellent information. Uh, and until next time, I'm Eric Engel with my beautiful wife, Jolene. You can find me at ericandjolene.com. And, and I'm at jolenengel.com. That's a good place. Till next time. <laughs>